What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft, the Director of Education over at Pioneer RX. Today, again, we have a special guest joining us. Now, when we think about community pharmacies, there are a lot of different shapes and sizes and uh, kind of niches that those community pharmacies can fill. Uh, and really, it's all over the map. But one of the community pharmacies that has always kind of stood out in my mind, because this is one of those community pharmacies that if you were to look at like the uh, Norman Rockwell kind of representation of that you know, beautiful community, that community pharmacist, uh, that that local touch and going the extra mile, uh, Hayes Barton Pharmacy is really going to fill that kind of uh, uh, that spot. So beautiful community, amazing pharmacy and amazing legacy. And with us today, one of the amazing pharmacists and owner, Brent Talley. So Brent, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the glowing uh, description of the pharmacy as well. I appreciate that. So it um, it really is, and and it's one of those pharmacies that you know a lot of the pharmacies um, that we have on here. The speakers are uh, the the guests here are kind of known speakers from the trade show circuit for teaching classes. Um, Hayes Barton, I feel like, is really a community gem that not a lot of people have been exposed to, uh, but it's such a beautiful pharmacy, beautiful part of town. Like the building itself even uh, is kind of a, it, it's almost like a postcard. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat. We just had, there was a book that just came out by one of our, um, by one of our customers in the area who did some research on it. It's a uh, hundred years of Hayes Barton, the neighborhood. Um and so our store is about 92 years old, but we were one of the first buildings in like one of the first commercial buildings in our neighborhood. Um, and so we have pictures dating back until the early 1900s of the area with the pharmacy, the area with the building, without the building, and now with the building in it um, and what it all looked like. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's a pretty neat thing to see. It, it is. So that, that area, it, it's, is it five quarters or? Five points. Five points. Five points, yeah. Five points in Raleigh. We're about a mile outside of downtown Raleigh. Okay. So uh, kind, of, kind of a neat thing if you think about that five points, what it must have been like, you know, 100 years ago with the uh, uh, probably, I guess, horse and buggies back then. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, we, we have one of the, uh, actually one of the, one of our customers, her great, great grandfather um, owned all the land that the pharmacy sits on now. Um, and it was, and she has pictures looking out, like if you're, if you're standing in our front door, which wasn't a front door, it was just a field, but literally standing in our front door and looking out across what the roads are now, the roads are still there, but there's no buildings. The roads are dirt roads and they just lead off into, there's like one little farmhouse up on a hill with a tree and the rest of it is just grass and, and farmland. Um, wow. So seeing that transformation from what it was, to what it is now. And we kind of have pictures from that timeline all the way up to where we're at now. So it's a pretty, pretty historic and, and neat place to be. So when that building that you're in was built and, and so if you're, let me, let me kind of paint the picture here. If you're standing kind of in the, the intersection there at the five corners, five points, uh, you can kind of look this way and this way and you see the roads come together and it's very kind of interesting shaped building that kind of fills that little wedge. Um, so when that was built, was that originally built as a pharmacy? No, it was not. It was basically like a, what they used to call a feed store. So they had um, all kinds of different knickknacks and farm supplies and stuff like that. Um, we have a great picture where they were selling refrigerators out of it, but there were like the refrigerators that were like the little chest ice freezers um, alongside the building there. So that was part of it. 
Um, and it wasn't, so from 1912, I think, until 1929, it was just that. Um, it didn't become a pharmacy until 1929. So nice. and it's been a pharmacy ever since then. But prior to that, yeah, it was just a, a store to serve the community, basically, community needs. Because at that point in time, that was the outskirts of Raleigh. Like, if you drove out past that, there was nothing but farmland and, and nothing. Um, and so there's a lot of farmers there, obviously. And there were some, like, um, really high-quality high, high quality, uh, horse racing and horse tracks and stuff like that on the outskirts of it. And so they had all kinds of horse feed and paraphernalia and stuff like that. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty neat. But the building itself, if you walk in and go through all the guts of the building, the downstairs and everything really like the basement in that area hasn't changed since like 1912. So it's, um, we, we, we've updated it here and there, but there's only so much you can do to a building that old. So <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when, uh, when the pharmacy opened in 1929, was that Hayes Barton pharmacy or did it have a different uh, name back then? Name, Yeah. So there's a, there's another, uh, community pharmacy in town that's still open as well called Person Street Pharmacy and they were they opened about 10 years before we did because they're right downtown Raleigh um, and so the guy who in that one bought the store over here in 1929 and called it Person Street number two and then it was went from Person Street number two to a guy named Hobson Gaddis bought it and called it Gaddis Pharmacy in the 30s and then in the 60s it was renamed Hayes Barton. Hayes Barton is the neighborhood. It was actually the neighborhood that's named after Sir Walter Raleigh's neighborhood in England. That's where he was born and raised and that's who Raleigh is named after. So Hayes Barton, the neighborhood is named after the neighborhood, his neighborhood back in, in London where he was. All right. So uh, over the years, the pharmacy's kind of changed, gone through, gone through some uh, uh, different ownership uh, at some point um, you are in that area and you kind of grew up seeing it or were you from a different area what what was your connection early on to uh, to Hayes Barton so uh, I'm from the eastern part of North Carolina so I didn't have any connection with it um, I was looking at buying a store in eastern North Carolina right out of school um, and had no clue what it meant to own a store just knew that I wanted <laughs> Uh, I went to school and, and had a uh, had a rotation with a guy who owned his own pharmacy, and he was like the Jimmy Buffett of pharmacy. He loved all of his customers. He was down by the beach. He loved the customers. They loved him, and it was just a party to go to work every day. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and um, and and uh, and so, but getting out of school, I really had no clue. So I worked for uh, for a chain for a couple of years. And then when I decided that I had this opportunity to buy a store, I knew I needed some help. And so I went to the school of pharmacy, the UNC School of Pharmacy, and talked to one of my professors there. And he said, well, you really need to go talk to this guy, Tim White. He owns five pharmacies at the time. And so he knows all about junior partnerships and what you're looking for. And so I had a meeting with Tim, um, who at the time owned Hayes Barton. And he, we sat down and uh, you know, basically looking at the numbers, he was like, you could do the store down there, but you probably don't want to. Um, but by the way, I do have a manager spot coming available in another month if you want to apply for that. And then, you know, if you get that, then I can kind of help kind of apprentice you through the ownership aspect and show you what it means. And so that worked out. I got the job um, as a manager and I managed it from 2010 to 2018 when I bought it. So nice. Nice. The transition for me. Yeah, I was kind. Of, I was kind of wondering about that. I was wondering if you had, like, if you knew that that was the the plan when you started there, or if there was one day something happened where something clicked and you said, "Yeah, one one day this is." Yeah, no. I mean, I always had a heart for this area. I love this area. I love this pharmacy. Well established, and great customer base. Um, just a really nice area to be in. And um, but it was either do this or. If another really good opportunity came along, I was going to buy something somewhere. I mean, I knew that I wanted to be on that track. Just um, wasn't sure the timing was going to work out here or not, but it did. So, in your in your time there, when you came out of pharmacy school, you you went to uh, one of the chains for a little bit. What were your uh, your initial feelings when you went to retail or when you went to a community pharmacy? Was there was there something that surprised you? Were 
were you just this is where I belong immediately? Like what what was that transition like? Transition really started in school. Um, so last year of pharmacy school, we were you know you do a full year of rotations basically, um, and I did. I had worked in community in another chain for three years leading up to this point to up to that point. And um, so I really tried everything else in pharmacy that I could get my hands on. I did surgery, I did veterinary pharmacy, I did critical care, I did every other elective that I could except community because I felt like I had that. And I just, at the end of the day, I kept coming back to wanting to do that. Um, and one of my preceptors, you know, UNC has a really good reputation for really focusing on the clinical aspects of pharmacy and not so much on the community aspect of it. And one of my preceptors I'll never forget said, you know, why in the world would you want to go spend this great education on community pharmacy? He said, when you could come here and do this. And I said, well, because you really, it's just as important to have really good pharmacists in the community as it is inside of a hospital. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. And he was like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I get it. So, um, and every time, everything I did just kind of kept leading back to that um, and leading back to the ownership aspect of it. And being able to kind of pave my own way and, and make sure that I could do things the way I wanted to. Um, and so that kind of kept leading me back to here. So here I am. Yeah. So it, it seems like um, in pharmacy for the past few years, there's been this kind of weird um, like need to, uh, to, to specify or separate clinical pharmacy from community pharmacy when really you're all clinically trained. I mean, that's, that that's the trade. So so bringing that aspect and and putting more emphasis on that aspect in a community setting um, just kind of makes sense. It doesn't seem like it needs to be a, a a separate career path. No, it's definitely not. And so I mean, I use our clinical stuff every single day of that I'm on the job. And so it, it's just there are different aspects of it, of course, um, and different things that you see in, in in each situation. But that's true with most places. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the clinical aspect of it is as important in community as it is anywhere else. What struck me when I visited that store was that you really do kind of have, so, um, kind of, kind of a best case scenario. Like if you're going to write a, a like use case or, or, you know, like what to do, uh, when you're opening a pharmacy, like you want to have a, a nice, um, you know, traffic access, I guess you want to have nice curb appeal. Uh, you want to have a nice front end area. Uh, so when you walk in the front door to that pharmacy, it's almost like, you know, you would expect to see, um, you know, like you could you could go in there and shoot a commercial for like a, you know, a buying group or or like a, a front end merchandising special, uh, you know, specialized company. Uh, so there's a really nice front end when you walk in um, and then you have your like a kind of pharmacy counter and there's a wall. And, and what I what I think is cool about that wall is that it really kind of separates a lot of the the factory from the the front end you know the 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 kitchen the kitchen from the <laughs> from the front area so what you know once you walk through that doorway into that back room it's kind of like a different different atmosphere because there's so much going on in a really small footprint there and then also uh, if you walk through another door, like out of that retail area, you guys have the kind of community hub uh, restaurant as well, right? Yep, yep. So we have all of that. The um, the wall that's there, you know, has been talked about for a long time because it was there's just nothing that we can do about it. it. Literally holds the building up. It was the corner. It was the outside wall of the building. So it's like three feet of concrete. Um, and then they added on the back part of the pharmacy in the thirties or forties. Um, and so it's been there for a while. Um, and they did it to add more room to the current store that they had and to add a, 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 um, a little platform for the, we have apartments upstairs as well. Um, and so they have that, but it, it creates a great, a great separation. So anybody that walks in can't see all the busyness going on in there. In case you see everything that is jam packed into there, you know, we have robot and we've got counters everywhere and people, I mean, it just, it's, it's crazy back there. Um, and then the, the cafe is well known for their cakes. Like I don't have anything to do with the cafe. We're just great partnership between us and them, but, um, they have great food and great 
desserts. And so you get a lot of times when I'm talking to people my age that I'm like, oh, uh, where do you work? Oh, I work at Hayes Bar Pharmacy. Oh, it's a place for the cakes. That's how they come. <laughs> so, yeah, so we also have a, a pharmacy there. But, yes, the cakes are really good, too. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty neat kind of partnership. It is. I, I always love uh, visiting the pharmacies that have the the soda fountain or the, the restaurant just because, I don't know, like you have that kitchen table uh, sense of community where, you know, where, where people sit and eat, people socialize and, and it, it's kind of a neat anchor for a, uh, for a pharmacy. It, I don't know. It, it, it goes back to the, you know, that, that romantic feeling of, you know, that notion of community pharmacy. Yeah. So when you go behind that wall, um, like I said, the separating the, the, the kitchen from that front end area, there is a lot going on. So you mentioned you have a robot, uh, what, what do you guys use uh, as far as automation? So, I mean, our automation are uh, Kirby Lester's Icons and the Prada Max. Um, that's what we use. And so, and um, that, that, that's all jammed right into. So we have three, two Kirby's that are, are an older generation than an Icon that we use as well. Um, and all of it is sort of jam packed into a very small square footage um to do that but it allows us to work as efficiently as we possibly can and we've got baskets literally everywhere because we, we've started doing we, we, we've started we've all we've been packaging adherence packaging for a while um and we're sort of on that cusp of do we need to get a robot for that or not but i literally don't have anywhere to put it um yeah. we put it in another spot so for right now we're hanging on with what we got but that's probably the next shoe to fall as far as automation goes for us yeah. Does your robot have a uh, a nickname that your uh, your team ha- has given it affectionately? It's not not anything bad. There there are a lot of there are a lot of bad words that come out of my mouth sometimes with it. Because um, when that robot breaks, I mean you can't fix it. You got to call somebody out there to do it, and then it breaks everything down. So I can't repeat the words that I've called it. It's just just Max is the, is the affectionate Max. name for it. Yeah, just Max. Yeah. Affectionate name for it. Um, when it works, it's great. If it breaks, it, it gets called a different name. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I always like uh, – so anybody listening that uh, – if you happened in on your first time, I, I was an installer for Pioneer RX for years and years. And I always loved when you know, you'd see the device in, in a pharmacy and, and sometimes it has a name tag or somebody's like, where's that prescription? Oh, it's over on – you know. Stevie or, you know, some, some kind of personal name. It's fun. <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned your adherence packaging. So you guys, um, have been really kind of early adapters to adherence packaging, super early adapters to, uh, medication synchronization as well, uh, which is probably one of the big factors that it's allowed you to do so much in such a, small space is, is having that controlled workflow. So when, um, kind of two part question, what, what percentage of, of people, uh, of your patients are on MedSync and then how long have you been doing MedSync? Yeah. So when I came on in 2010, we were doing MedSync, um, through a different software and I come from a chain store where their software was at least fast and inefficient to the store where, where I came to where they Warren and the software they're using at the time was just old and and just and, and we were trying to do med sync through it um which was my first experience with that in 2010 and tim at the time was doing us tim we just i know what you want to do and i get it but we we literally can't do it with what we're, we're working with right now and so that kind of spun off into the search for a new software which is in 2012 we landed with Pioneer and, and, and we're lucky enough to be some of the first ones there. So they helped kind of build that MedSync program and, and do that. Um, and it was a lot of fun to figure it out and kind of figure out what worked and what didn't. Um, so we, we, they were doing it about a year before I got here. So 2009, but it just couldn't get off the ground with the way we were, the way we were running it. Um, and now over 60% of our, of our patients are on MedSync now. Something like wow. 60, between sixty and sixty-five percent, I think, um, of what we do is medicine. That's 
That's a uh, pretty impressive. You know, usually if you if you're hitting thirty or forty, that that's when you start to kind of see the needle uh, move on on you know that that big payoff in efficiencies. It took us a while to get there. I um, mean, and there's some growing pains with it, and that's why I tell every store that's starting with that, like you know, once you get to a certain number, you want to hit an area where it's going to be painful for a little bit, but you really got to kind of push through it. Once you do. You know, it just allows a whole lot more time for your staff to be doing other things. You can predict a lot more things like our holidays and and our busy times of the year are much more manageable because we sort of have everything kind of fine tuned so that we can we can respond faster, but we can also predict better what we're doing. Um, and then our, our our inventory went way down you know, when we were doing that. So, I mean, that was a huge thing for us. So the dollars and liquidity there is, is massive as well. So all good things, but it's, it's, it takes, a, there's a little bit of a, of a bump you got to get through to get that. Yeah, and for sure. Everybody's got to buy into it. So you gotta, you gotta coach your staff through it. Cause every, I mean, most stores that start doing it have been doing it a different way forever. Yeah. And so nobody likes change. Um, and so you've got to convince them that this is the way you got to do it. And, can't tell them they're going to buy into it. So that's, that's really how it's got to go. Yeah. How, how does that go with your patients? How does the, the buy-in go with them? Um, are they kind of explained, you know, Hey, we, we sink all your medications like on their first visit, or is that something that, you know, you wait until they have, uh, you know, reach some kind of certain threshold and then switch them over. Like what, what, what's your kind of your uh, onboarding process there? It really depends. So, I mean, we single out, we'll, we'll do some searches within Pioneer to single out people that we that need to be on it. Um, and from either an adherence standpoint or an efficiency standpoint. And so that was sort of the initial thing. But now a lot of the people that come to us, we just automatically tell them kind of what, how our process works and what we're going to do. And if they don't like that, then fine. I mean, some people are just not candidates for being good sync patients. And that's just the way it goes. And you kind of figure that as you go, but we almost adopt it as a default for people that come in um, and just say, you know, this is sort of how it works. You know, we'll, we've got you all your medications, we'll fill them. And then after the first month, we're going to kind of start, um, start giving you some of some, some of another and kind of explain the whole process to them so that we can get them all in one cycle for you so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. We'll call you, you don't have to call us. Feel free to call us, but you don't have to. Um, and we'll get you all your medications taken care of so that are all, you never have to worry about refills and they all come out at the same time. And it's an easy sell, really, I mean, for most patients. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, if you ask a patient if they want to sign up for a program, um, automatically, like, their their free dars going off right if there's a free program all i got to do is sign up what's the catch i'm going to get blown up with emails it's a marketing thing i'm going to have to pay for it eventually uh so if you pitch it as a sign up for a program i, I feel like automatically your success rate is going to plummet whereas you know if you if you offer it as a solution hey do you want all of your prescriptions ready at the same time next month most patients are going to be like, whoa, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, people they come from other chain pharmacies and they're like, wait a minute, I can do that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how we usually do it. And so they're just tickled about it. I mean, they're just, they're super excited about it. So it's a, it's a pretty easy sale. Like you said, uh, you, you don't want to act like you're saying, we, we tried that when we were first going through it and try to get people on it. And that's exactly the response you get is if you're trying to sign somebody up for something, they're like, yeah, I'm good. But if you just kind of offer it as a solution or tell them this is just kind of how it works, then they're good with it. Yeah. I remember uh, back in high school, I worked at a uh, music store called Sam Goody in the mall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things we had to do is try to get people to sign up for the Sam Goody Rewards Club or whatever. And you had to go through this pitch. And every now and then somebody would say yes. And I was like, really? It's <laughs> <laughs> like 99 no's and one yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things that um, the, the MedSync model kind of uh, allows is really giving 
your patients kind of a, a single like point of contact at the pharmacy. Um, so in Pioneer, uh, we call those health coaches. And that's something that, you know, you guys have really adapted to and utilize health coaches in a lot of your workflow. So how have you seen that kind of difference and, and managing your patients like lead to better adherence or better outcomes? Oh, it's been great. You know, um, really what it does, it, it's, it's sort of a full circle thing. So you, you assign a health coach to a patient and it, and it's either for us, it's either a particular person or one of two people that can help share that role in case somebody's out or not. But the, the, the bottom line is, is in, in, in 90% of these people are, are done through my technicians. Um, and so the technicians get to know the patient extremely well. They're really good on the phone with them. Um, the, 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 the patients get to know them really well. They trust them. And so it's an easy conversation for them to have. And it develops a lot of trust on the patient side, but it also develops a lot of worth on the technician side. You know, they're not just sitting there filling bottles and putting pills in bottles all day and putting in prescriptions they're talking to these patients and really making a difference in these patients' lives by keeping them adherent and learning a lot as they go about what to do, what not to do, how to interact with patients on, a, you know, on, on certain levels and certain and, and when to defer. Um, so they're gaining a lot of a large skill set, but also a lot of worth in their their position, which makes them feel better, which makes them a better employee, which makes them happier at work. And then the patient knows that they can call in and talk to this person at any point in time and they have their best interest at heart. So for us, it's a, it's a great way to, to grow both sides of the business, your, your employee base and making a nice, happy workspace for them, but also growing your, your patient base and knowing that you've got a lot of trust and really good care coming from that side of it. So that's yeah. I think that's such an important point. Not, I mean, of course, the patient side where you have that single point of contact, there's a big difference when you call, you know, hey, I'm going to call the pharmacy to get my prescriptions filled or, you know, hey, I'm going to call and ask Catherine a question. Right. Like like I have a I have a person there. Um, so that's a huge difference. But. The other part that I think as a business owner that you touched on is so important is that, you know, people, I, I, I think especially in healthcare, but but a lot of people are motivated by so much more than, you know, just a paycheck. Like you get so much more from work than a paycheck. Um, and having that real, like, those are my patients. You know, I don't, I don't work at Hayes Barton Pharmacy. I'm part of Hayes Barton Pharmacy. It's... Yeah, that's the kind of environment we want to we want to cultivate. You know, it's uh, and 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 it's it's so important to be able to do that for for our technicians because they do so much of the work in our store that we want them to feel as valued or, or more than than anybody else. And so we, you know, ten years ago when everybody called, they wanted to talk to the pharmacist. You know, I need to speak to Brent. I need to speak to Jerry. I need to speak to Mary. All the pharmacists, you know, and we're on the phone nonstop. And as an owner and a pharmacist and doing other clinical things, it's nearly impossible because you're changing tasks like nonstop and on the phone nonstop. And now, like I was just on the phone and I picked up the phone before I got up here to do this interview. And I was like, oh, hey, Miss McNeil, how are you? She was like, no, 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 I'm calling to talk to Allison. Allison was the, <laughs> it was good to talk to you. I'll talk to you later. So and that's just kind of and it takes a while to, to make that cold. And it takes a lot of grooming for you know, somebody to do that, some, some technicians and some people are just good on the phone and some aren't, but it's not just that it's, you know, okay, well, what are you looking for? What are these changes that we need to note? How do we document those? Um, and then how do we get the patient involved for this and, and doing stuff like that? So it's a, it's a growing of, of skill set, but, but also responsibility and therefore worth. And, and it just is, it's worked really well for us, for, for employees. Um, and to, to help retain employees and really get help. Um, so, so where companies were losing people left and right um, during the whole pandemic thing, you know, we never, we never lost a single person. Um, and, um, and we only kind of gained from that. So I think it's, 
it's a lot to be said, but I think it's a great way to approach it. And the help, having that health coach available to help organize that in a way is, has been key for us. Yeah. So, I mean, really that's the, the cornerstone of any community pharmacy is that community connection to community and, and having that part of your team. Um, but then there's also, you know, as a business owner, some efficiencies that come with that. And I know that's one thing that you guys have been able to do is kind of break down uh, specific workflow cues and look at reports and, and look at all those things kind of on a smaller scale with some autonomy to those individuals. Yeah, absolutely. We have. And, and we, you know, we have we have developed a workflow over the years that has been you know, light years ahead of where we were. 10 years ago and we're massively ahead. We were five years ago and we're already, we had a meeting today to reconstruct some of the things that we're doing today. So we're always fine tuning it. And I think one of the most important things for that is, you know, as a, as an, as an owner, I'm, I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all. I don't want to be a micromanager. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I really make sure that the people that are heading up that workflow have a lot of ownership in that. And part of having ownership in it is, always trying to make the process better. And so in doing that, we have to revisit that every so often to make sure that we're not missing something, that we could make something a little bit better. And so we had a meeting this morning and my two full-time technicians are just talking circles around me because like, I oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Y'all know way more about this work. Than <laughs> and, and I'm going to support this in whatever way it needs to happen. But y'all, y'all, y'all have to figure it out, work it out the way you want it to look like, and then come back to me with the solution. And then we'll, we'll kind of create the, the best outcome of it all. Um, but that's, that's been the great part of it is they have so much knowledge and ownership of it now that they want to see it work the best because they know that that's, going to help them and help the patient in the long term. Yeah. Well, and North Carolina's um, kind of a progressive state as far as pharmacy practice goes. Um, I'm not real familiar with what's on the horizon for North Carolina specifically, though. Are there any exciting changes in the realm of tech technician roles? So, um, I mean, we just had, you know, we just had the, the okay, well, we've had the okay to allow technicians to give vaccines. Um, <laughs> so that's been, you know, that's not just a North Carolina thing, but um, they, once the pandemic started, we realized that we needed some other vaccinators on site and doing that. And so we've got one technician that's fully trained to give and, and certified to give vaccines. And we've got the other one in the works to do it as well. So at any given time, when somebody walks in to the store to get a vaccine, you know, we've got three to four vaccinators in our small, tiny store that can help. And so that helps create a really efficient process um, for us where uh, bless the parts of pharmacists that are in chain drug stores, but they don't have that. Um, and that's just that creates a frustrating thing for a lot of the patients and for the pharmacists. And it's just a mistake waiting to happen. So. We have, we have pushed them where we continue to kind of push them to the edge of their licensure and encourage them to go as far as they want to with that. So vaccinations was one thing that was a really big success for us, for, for the technician um, during the pandemic, but also a lot of the clinical things, you know, they, I mean, they make a lot of notes that are higher clinically than most technicians I feel like can, can speak to. Um, and it's CEs and stuff like that, but it's just knowledge base of, of being in workflow um, and us kind of teaching them and grooming them about kind of what to do and, and what to say and what to look for. So nice. Yeah, it's been good. But um, yeah, so we're we are we are doing everything we can to push them to the highest level of their licensure based off of what we can do in North Carolina. So tell me tell me a little bit about how uh, how COVID is has it kind of changed things long-term uh, or have things kind of gone back to some sense of normalcy there? You know, I think we're at the new normal um, of what we are doing. I mean, we were already doing a lot of deliveries and stuff like that. So that, that was very appealing to people during the pandemic. And so we were able to bring on a lot more customers 
um, in prescriptions for people that couldn't get to their mom or dad in the facilities or they didn't want to go in stores. And so um, we already had that kind of streamlined. So we got a lot of referrals for deliveries. Um, we started doing curbside service. Um, so we use that text feature in Pioneer for people to be able to text us when they get there. And so they text us when they arrive and we can walk their meds out to them. Um, that's not something that we were doing prior to that. And so we had to pivot a little bit on, on doing that. And that has maintained through the you know coming somewhat out of the pandemic aspect of it and the lockdowns. We're still doing a lot of um, curbside stuff as well. Um, and then our deliveries, I mean, our, our vaccinations, of course, with the COVID vaccinations, but even flu and everything else have been just on a massive increase. So we're just way above on all of that stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask what this flu season looked like. It was uh, last year was basically kind of neg- negated. Everybody was locked up at home. So, <laughs> yeah, but we've already seen right many flu cases in North Carolina. Um, we have a lot, a lot of colleges in the area have been hit pretty hard with it already. Uh, and so it's, it, it's been, you know, I think it's going to be a lot more, a lot more to it this year than it was last year. It already is. Um, but we've been doing a lot more flu shots, you know, we, yeah. we're, we're way up on flu shots this year. So, um, you know, and it's hard to say if that is just people being more aware of vaccinations and needing to get those or people wanting to get them or people just, you know, word of mouth is no matter what business you're in, word of mouth seems to be always the best um, advertisement for us. And so we, um, you know, we, we, we make the, the, the process of signing up and getting vaccines really easy um, because we have so many vaccinators and so much staff on hand. It's a really fast process and very comfortable process because we have a room designated for it. Um, and so for kids and adults alike, it's, um, it's really, you know, pretty easy the way we've set it up. So it, it it's been busy, but it's it's good. You mentioned the uh, COVID testing, and it's uh, like so. Point of care testing has been something that I've been watching for a couple of years. Like I, I think that's really such a huge opportunity. And um, I was watching. So it's actually I have a like a Samsung smart TV, and so every now and then it pops commercials up. And one of the commercials was like a consumer facing point of care testing. I think it was like Binax maybe for the um, uh, COVID testing. And I was like, that is a really neat sign of the times that that's, you know, on the limited commercials that I'm seeing. Uh, so where, where do you see that in your pharmacy in the next, you know, year? Uh, it's been, we, we've always kind of had our eye on it a little bit. Um, it's just the, it was always a little bit murky to me about what we were going to do. Cause we have, I mean, Raleigh is a very populated area. It's got a lot of access to a lot of different healthcare facilities. Um, and so, you know, the need for it was, has always been in question. Um, but the pandemic, we started doing just a ton of point of care testing um, for COVID. And I think that it showed that it's um, just in general a needed thing, even in our area with all the access to it. Because if we can create a really nice access point for people, that's really easy. Um, and we can build that and, and they don't have to pay up front for it, then that makes all the difference in the world. So it can be a really nice um, addition to our workflow in general moving forward. It's the way we see it. Yeah. So um, so what what do you guys do if if you do have a positive test? Uh, I mean, uh, if you're are you doing the flu tests as well or, or just yeah, the there's a combo flu COVID test. Okay. Um, that we can do um and so we can do that and it's the the same the same kind of mechanism behind it and so we and everything that we do so they the patient will sign up online we'll get a notification that they're coming in they call us or text us when they get there we walk out to the the, the car and show them exactly what to do it's a self-administered test they get it done and then we bring it back in and secure area in the pharmacy. And so do you guys have like a collaborative practice agreement or prescriptive authority to, to take action on the results of that test? Yeah. And so we have to report the results. Well, for COVID, we have to report the results to the state. Um, but we're working with a medical billing company to be able to that, that we've developed a collaborative practice 
agreement with so that we can bill those tests and so the patient doesn't have to come out of pocket for them. Oh, nice. Nice. And then do you have the prescriptive authority to go ahead and, and give them Tamiflu or Ivermectin? Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, yeah, we're looking into the collaborative practice for being able to give them Tamiflu um, and do that. But, you know, it, it, it's who knows whether that will, I, that probably won't come along with everything else, but the oral meds for COVID that we're going to be giving out, um, we're, we've already kind of stepped up and, and or, or made plans to get those in so that we can be able to dish those out when we need to as well. Um, so we'd like to have something on file for Tamiflu as well, but we don't yet. Yeah. Nice. Nice. How's the, uh, the distribution for those, uh, COVID-19 oral medications are, are those readily available and um not yet i mean so everything is just kind of in the works for it so we're working yeah. with CPSN, um as our federal pharmacy partner to be able to get access to those we have been getting all of our vaccine through basically through wake county um here because it's so easy for us um to have access to that but they're not going to do anything with the oral meds and gotcha. so we have to cpsn is the access point that we'll be using for that Gotcha. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see just how many supply chain issues have popped up. Um, it, it's insane. <laughs> um, which just completely, you know, things you, you would uh, assume are completely unrelated, but it but it really is kind of that pre-economics uh, snowball. So um, during uh, during COVID, you've been. Uh, you know, giving the, these vaccinations, have you developed new relationships with new entities in your city or, or new, new companies by, by kind of filling that need? Yes, we have a lot actually. Um, so we, we were able to, um, make connections with a lot of the facilities in the area, um, both assisted living and independent living facilities that we weren't able to gain access to previously. Um, but all of them needed boosters for their COVID shots and then they needed flu shots. And these were ones that CBS had probably done early in, in the initial round. And then CBS came out and said they didn't really want to do a lot of that. Um, and so we were able to develop relationships with um, some of the long-term care pharmacies that forwarded us um, communities that couldn't get it done otherwise and needed it. And so we did that. Um, we've, formed um, a lot of relationships with schools in the area for the pediatric vaccines. So we've been able to do some of the schools um, and, and help those kiddos out doing that. And we've done, we, we've formed a lot better relationships with some of the physicians in the area, to be honest with you. So um, just trying to be able to, to add a higher level of care during the pandemic when people weren't able to get out of the house, weren't able to manage their medications or mom and dad's medications to be sort of a go-to, you know, it takes a team. And so to be able to be a go-to for us to help the adult child with physicians input and our input in helping manage the medications, you know, we've been getting increasingly more referrals from doctors um, in the area because of, because of those type of interventions that we have. Yeah. Those, those, Connections, that's a story that we hear over and over that, you know, in that time of need, pharmacists were really able to kind of solidify those those connections in the community. So if there is that, that silver lining, it's, you know, pharmacists were definitely able to, to shine. So we've talked about a lot of the great things you're doing, efficiency and leveraging your technology, really giving your team ownership. Uh, and building those connections in the community, your retail, the cafe, the uh, facilities, the med sink. So you're doing all the right things there. It's it's really there's so much going on in that building. What um what's not happening there? Is there something on your radar that that you're like, man, we we should be doing this and we're not. You know, there's a there's always stuff like that. <laughs> there's always stuff like that. Um, the one, the, I mean, the thing that I love about the job is that you know there's always something else that you can be going after. And the yeah. tricky part is looking at it and being like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. Or yeah, I'm all about that. Um, and it's it's the neat part. It's the part that that gets me excited about the job. It's why I wanted to be an owner of a pharmacy. Is because you know, just being able to kind of create your own path, do the things that you really wanted to focus on and go after that and do that. But it's like every day, once you start doing that, it's kind of a snowball effect, right? It's a good thing. 
Um, but it's it's also like you have to know when to say, mm, no, we're not going to do that. Like a uh, great example is the mon monoclonal antibodies. So when that came out and had some of the pharmacies in the area of doing it, and that's like a clinical thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do that, too. Because that's a right. great need. It's something new. Um, but then I had to kind of pull back and look at it. So after looking at it, I'm like, okay, I'm in a very populated area with a lot of really strong healthcare all here. We have three major hospitals all around us, all kinds of offshoots from that, all kinds of um, urgent care aspects of it. There is wide availability over here. I've got a really small pharmacy that I can't bring a COVID positive patient into. Um, I don't have any access in any areas around the store to be able to kind of pull them in and treat them. Um, I don't necessarily see me wanting to navigate putting them in a car and doing it. And for me to develop a team and take them and go do it at their home, just not sure is a need because of all the resources that we have in the area already. And so that was one of the things that was kind of difficult, but I was like, okay, I'm just not going to run with that. I'm just going to focus on vaccines and supporting the things that we're doing right now instead of going after that. Um, which is, is always difficult because you see other people doing it. And you're like, man, that just looks like something fun and different. It's very helpful. But for us, it was like, well, I think the rest of the community really has access to it. Uh, if, if it would be different, if we had people beating down our door going like, where do we get these? We can't, there's nowhere to go. You, know, you guys are a healthcare facility. You could be an access point for that. But with all of the availability in the area, it just, it didn't seem like a great fit for us. And there was no way I was bringing a bunch of COVID in our small store, a bunch of COVID positive patients in there. It just wasn't going to happen. So, um, so yeah, we had to punt on that one, but um, that's probably the thing that comes to mind that we're not doing that, that I would like to be able to do, but yeah, the rest of the time. It, it's, it's really hard to be analytical about those things when you're also passionate about those things, because uh, you know, it's, they're part of part of that um, that that joy of doing what you do, and, and part of you know with any hobby, um, you know, or all those endorphins that you're that that you get that satisfaction that you get from uh, you know pushing into those new frontiers and doing the new and exciting thing. So um, that's yeah, it. that was the thing <laughs> because I, I love that aspect of it, and I, I hope I always will. But when I went back and I told my wife, I was like. These people are doing this. I want to do this. She was like, you're going to do what? <laughs> and said, where are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? I was like, I don't know. Wait a minute. Let me think about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. So, yeah, it wasn't. It, it just wasn't a fit. And so I think it's important. It's really important and to, to your point um, to know when to say when and when not to. I mean, our staff is already completely maxed out with the amount of vaccinations we've been doing and um, the, the amount of growth and everything that we've had. So throwing another thing in there just to have a feather in the cap wasn't going to benefit anybody. I didn't think so. That's why we resulted in not doing it as of right now. Nice. So uh, what, do, what do you see down the road? What do you see in five years? Is there, um, you know, uh, an offsite closed door location in your future or uh, another retail storefront or? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it everything that you read about ownership and everything is like you need to be looking you know if you're not looking at least six months to three years in advance then you're already falling behind right so you really need to be looking at that and so i really try to train my focus into that it's been hard during the pandemic because you're so laser focused on one thing um and and keeping everybody well and doing vaccines and it's really been our main focus but um yeah the the closed door we we i see more access to our, our population around the pharmacy is growing. We have other assisted living and independent living facilities being built literally in our backyard that we already have really good contacts with. So I see the need for adherence packaging only growing for us. And so I see that evolving. We're sort of busting at the seams with it right now. So it will probably be the next thing for us is to figure out sort of if there are closed door aspect of it to that we kind of adopt. Um, We've been working with a pharmacy that's called uh, Jerry Med or Combo Med. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but oh, yeah. A, yeah. So 
So we're, we're going to roll into that um, in the new year. We've already got everything set up. And so we're just going to try and build on that most likely. And will there be a closed door aspect of it? Maybe, you know, um, there are also a lot of stores, I think, in the area that are within a certain radius of here that, you know, that, that the owners are kind of aging out. So buying an existing pharmacy is a great thing. Um, but it's, you know, pharmacy, unless we can find that great niche, you know, the, the reimbursements for still the majority of what you're getting paid are really difficult. Um, and so it's just not a slam dunk to go and, all right, I got this store running really, really well. Do I take myself out of that picture and go and, and, and turn that one? And it's just not a slam dunk, in my opinion. You know, I see a lot of stores opening up. and I'm like, man, I hope they know what they're doing. Because um, if you don't, you're going to lose your you're gonna lose your shirt on it. Um, and so uh, we are, it's the packaging, but it's also really focusing on other things that we can do to make money outside of and be viable outside of prescriptions. Um that's really going to have to be the main focus. And until I really get that a good feeling for the direction that I can go with that, I don't see me opening in another store or buying another store um, because of that. Um, at the same time, you know, you want to be challenging yourself and 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 doing that. But I think by developing different levels of care that we are looking into, uh, I think that's going to be challenging enough to start with. So. That's sort of the role I see going, growing packaging, growing immunizations, but also, okay, what else is out there that we can really do to make our pharmacy viable moving into the next three, five, 10 years um, versus just filling prescriptions. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, I think we're just about out of time, so we'll go ahead and taper off on on those words of wisdom, looking forward and um, uh, concentrating on those fundamentals and, and looking for those new opportunities. So. Always good to talk to you. Can't wait to make it back into the uh, Hayes Barton neighborhood and spend some time there and eat some cake with you. That's right. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.